What's going on, everyone? Happy Thursday. This is episode 48 of Bet to Win. I'm Claudia Balafato. He is Joe Fan. It is March. The sun is shining. The weekend is almost here. Does it get any better, Joe? It doesn't. No, it's starting to warm up here in Vegas. It's like 75 here today. It's almost pool season, which we love. It's golf season for me. Your girl's finally going golfing today. Wow. Are you going to get clubs or no? I'm going to use my buddy's clubs, but I am going to buy a golf skirt and I will probably post an Instagram and pretend like I golf all the time. I would say the odds of you posting an Instagram story of you golfing are about <laughs> minus 5,000. Oh, easy. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. For so sure. I can't wait for that content. I got to let everyone know that your girl is on the golf train. And if it's not, if it's not your swing, I don't want to see it. I know. Last time I went to Top Golf, I was like, oh, Joe, I'm going to Top Golf. He's like, send me a video of your swing. I totally did. Oh, oh no, I sent you a picture, I think. And you were like, where's the video? Because you know, once you send your a swing to someone, they're going to judge you, even if it's a pretty good swing. You got to put yourself out there. I will today, I promise. I will All post right. it. Everyone check my Instagram. I, I will post a video of my swing. I can't wait. I promise. <laughs> uh, we got a busy show. We're going to talk some of the headlines going on in the sports world. We will talk some UFC with Nick Dias, and we will give out some winning picks. College basketball is ramping up. Of course, it is March, so we will get into all of that. But first, let's talk victory laps and hold this L. Joe, college basketball, me, hockey. So let's hear your wins and your losses. Yeah, it's been a slow week for me. I went 0-2 on Monday, and then on Tuesday, 3-2 and in college basketball. Uh, Wednesday, two and three. So small losses for the week, a little bit of regression after the heater we've had for the last uh, 10 days or so, or the previous 10 days. Um, Texas Tech let me down. That was my winning pick, minus 12 versus Kansas State. They were up nine at halftime um, and then just kind of uh, stayed in neutral in the second half. So loser there, haven't been on the wrong side of, of many here this week, but looking to get hot going into the weekend and really just want the vibes to get going as the tournament comes around. We've got conference tournaments coming up here. So it's going to be a wild, really starting now until the Natty's, what, April 6th or something like that, whatever that Monday is. Um, and I can't wait to get going. Yeah, it'll be lots of fun. I finally hopped on the college basketball wagon oh, yeah, you did. on Tuesday. Hell, Hell yeah, yeah, I you did, did, and I smashed it. Holy <laughs> um, Toledo. Toledo versus Buffalo. I took Toledo team total over 79 and a half. Also played them with the points and the total over. But I gave out Toledo team total, thankfully, because it cashed with 530 left to go in the second, sweat-free as they come. And then the winning pick I gave out on Monday, Devils wing Jesper Bratt over two and a half shots on goal. Ended with three, two points, one goal, one assist. Uh, really should have just taken the Devils to win that game. One of yeah, seven. You should have. He was I, I one, tried to tell you that. Uh, yeah, you did. I was like, you just take the Devs to win this game. <laughs> he didn't. But Classic one, Devs. One, he was one of seven Devils. He was one of seven Devils with three or more shots on goal in that game. Final score of seven to two. So lots of volume and shots on goal. Mine hit. So we're happy. So two and oh for me and we move on. And we, Joe and I were joking, like, everyone keeps saying, two and out. No, I, I was, my two plays this week, I was two and out. Some people would be like, all right, I'm three and oh. It's like, no, you're three forever. and oh this week. We got to yeah, specify yeah. people, but. The timeline mm, is important. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Teach his own. Let's talk some headlines. The first one, the sad one. The first two series of MLB's regular season have officially been canceled. Total of 91 games canceled as every team's first two series scrapped. MLB and the Players Union failed after all this time to agree on a new labor contract by the deadline, which was Monday, pushed into Tuesday, nine straight days. 
face-to-face. All of these people in one room still couldn't get it done. And will be presented a final offer. The union rejected it. Commissioner Rob Manfred held a news conference announcing the first two series were canceled. <clears throat> Just a month before, he's like, this is the most disastrous position that we could find ourselves in. We cannot let this happen. And then he's up there smirking and he's like, oh, well, first two series canceled. Of course, the players are pissed. If you look on Instagram, look on Twitter, guys are signing up for LinkedIn. Should I become a Starbucks barista? It's not even funny. It's sad. And it's a complete shit show. And I don't know how we have gotten to this point. It's embarrassing they've gotten to this point. We've said this over and over on this show. But yeah, they, they talked for nine straight days. What about the 43 days before that where the MLB didn't come with any sort of offer? The whole part of a collective bargaining agreement is you have to bargain. And the owners did not do so for more than a month. And it's ridiculous because you set this arbitrary deadline. Baseball set that deadline. It's not like a a legit deadline. It's made out of made up out of thin air. And then they, oh, they're going to extend the deadline one day. And the, okay, here's our best and final offers. Then you can play the PR move of, we tried. And these players just want too much. These darn greedy players. But I'm sick about this. Not not for players. And I get people get tired of the millionaires versus billionaires conversation. And why am I so upset with the players minimum is you know seven hundred grand and that's so much money. And fine. But I know who the, where the evil is in this conversation. It's with the owners. But if you don't have sympathy for owners or players, that's fine. But fans are real losers here. Local business owners are real losers here. Game day workers who work at these venues, who rely on all of these events, are losers. That's the issue I have with it that makes me so sad is the trickle-down is so immense. You look at all of the revenue from tourism in Scottsdale, Arizona, and down in Florida, where all month long, through March, it's every single day. Restaurants are packed. These ballparks are packed. Um, everything is buzzing. Then you go into the venues in each MLB city, and you've got bars, local bars and restaurants that require that rely on game days. I mean, it's just, it's so sad from that standpoint because it's not just about these millionaires and billionaires, but it's all these everyday folks who are, who are just trying to get by and run their businesses or provide for their families who are now unable to do so for at least two weeks or two series, I should say, so a week. But there's no end in sight for this. So when are they coming back to the table? When are they going to talk about the luxury tax? I don't know. My heart just breaks for people who are going to be financially impacted by this beyond the owners and the players. And it also breaks for fans who are excited about baseball. And it should break baseball's heart because they can't afford something like this because there are so many people out there who are indifferent to this? Who could say, okay. Well, we don't like baseball anyways. I don't anyways. even know when opening day is. Yeah. Whatever. I know. It's true. So, it's a shame. Yep. And no date set for further negotiations, which is even more depressing. We will obviously keep everyone updated on Bet to Win and hope for the best. Fingers crossed. Let's talk on a little lighter note. March Madness is here. 32 conferences hold their tourneys over the next two weeks as teams try to grab a spot in the NCAA tournament. So winners of each conference get an automatic bid along with the 36 teams that will be revealed on Selection Sunday, March 13th on WinBet. Selection Sunday is fun. Dun, dun. Do you bet? Did you ever bet like on the drafts, like for football? Did you ever bet no. props on the drafts? That's always fun. No. It's probably, probably pretty degenerate. We don't have those odds on WinBet, but what we do have is odds for the conference tourneys, final four and championship. 
championship odds right now. Gonzaga plus 400 favorite. Arizona, Kentucky, Purdue, Auburn, Duke in that order. Let's talk conference tourneys, though. Some of the action going on right now. If you had to pick one team to come out of their conference, who are you picking? Yeah, I have two that I really like. Uh, one is Chalky. Uh, it's the Colonial Athletic Association, which who doesn't love some CAA hoops? I'm taking Towson at plus 110, the vast superior team, vastly superior team, and you're getting them at plus money, where you look at a couple of their favorites, whether it's South Dakota State or Gonzaga, you mentioned at minus 400. Um, getting a favorite uh, at plus 110, I think, is really smart. They've won seven in a row ending the, entering the tournament. They have no glaring weaknesses on either side of the basketball. They rank 34th in offensive efficiency and 102nd in defensive efficiency. They rank in the top 100 in both offensive and defensive uh, effective field goal percentage. They rank in the top 100 of both offensive and defensive offensive rebounding and offensive and defensive three-point shooting. Those are major metrics to be uh, in a strong spot, far superior than anyone else in their conference. Of course, March is wacky. Anything can happen, but... Uh, again, getting a heavy favorite at plus money, I think is smart this time of year. Sounds like it. I'm going to go Missouri Valley Conference. Uh, begins today. Final will take place on Sunday, March 6th. Loyola Chicago is the plus 135 favorite. So they have the shortest odds, even though they finished fourth in the regular season. Northern Iowa finished the top seed. They're second at plus 375. But I'm going to go with Missouri State at plus 400. I see value in this, not in general, but specifically on WinBet because a lot of books have them around plus 275. So grab it on WinBet while you can. They lead the conference in offensive efficiency, offensive turnover rate, points per game, just under 78. They lead the conference in free throws, 15th in the country in field goal percentage, 18th in three-point percentage. And the roster they have, they have two of the best players in the conference with Isaiah Mosley on the wake and big man Gage Prim according, well, if you watch them, to your eyes, according to your eyes, but also according to Ken Palm, uh, player of the year formula, they average a combined 36.3 points per game. And it's not just them. They have a great roster overall. So for a team with so much offensive firepower, I see really good value at plus money, specifically on WinBet at plus 400. I love that pick. I have one more, more of a longer shot at plus 650, and that's in the Summit Conference with North Dakota State. Uh, this is a, a case where the the favorite, and that's South Dakota State, they're heavy favorites at minus 225. But this North Dakota State team battled them in both on both occasions, a four-point loss in each matchup, both at home and on the road. They rank 66th in defensive effective field goal percentage in their top 100 in both free throws per game and free throws allowed per game, uh, and also offensive and defensive three-point shooting. Again, key metrics when you're looking at who can get hot going into the tournament. Um, those are big ones I look at. Do you get to the free throw line and can you get hot from three? This team can do both. Obviously, South Dakota State is a heavy favorite for a reason. Um, but uh, I like North Dakota State. Sweet. I like North Dakota State too. There we go. Thank you, Joe. <laughs> uh, let's talk some NFL. The combine kicked off on Tuesday in Indianapolis. Over 300 of the draft class. Best showing off fighting for a spot on one of the 32 NFL rosters. You know how this goes. Interviews, measurements, tests, exams, on-field drills. Most people don't pay super close attention to it unless you're maybe looking at some players to throw props on in the future. I like to watch highlights from the 40-yard, and that's pretty much it, and then I'll look at the rest of the headlines. But that combine ends on the 7th, so maybe we'll, we'll find something interesting that we can talk about. But for now, that's pretty much it. The combine's happening. Keep an eye out for uh, standout players. But other news in the NFL, let's talk Rams. Looking to hammer down a new deal with Aaron Donald, as they should. 
He talked about possible retirement following the Super Bowl. That was the first question he was asked after winning the Super Bowl, which Joe and I talked about must be the worst. But things are looking up for them. He is currently signed through 2024, but does have a potential out on his season uh, current contract. So we'll see what happens there, but it is looking positive. The team also wants to bring Odell back, which they also should. Odell said he would take less money to stay there, which I don't blame him. He looked really good on the offense. Absolutely. Again, run it back. Why not? You, you could argue if he doesn't get hurt, that game's a blowout. Yeah, I agree. So good point. Oh, still hurts me that Odell receiving yards props. Correct. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're right though. So hopefully they do keep those two and running it back looks pretty positive for them. Where things aren't as copacetic, Arizona. Cardinals extended head coach Cliff Kingsbury and Steve Kime through 2027. Last year, the Cardinals made the postseason for the first time since 2015. So that's positive news, but despite the drama, which there was plenty of, I guess it's sort of old news now with Kyler Murray scrubbing his Instagram, scrubbing his social media of the Cardinals, which is just strange. Like you're still on the team. Why would you do that? Kingsbury and then says pretending he, like, oh, how dare you guys make a news story of it? Like, yeah. Of course it's going to be a thing. And then Kingsbury's like, no, we're good. We're all good. It's like, are you though? It's kind of weird. A little sketchy. The fact that they just got extensions is bizarre. Yeah, how do you feel about that through 2027? I don't think anything Cliff Kingsbury has done warrants an extension. Through 2027, that's immense guaranteed money. And, and that the difference between NFL player contracts and coaches' contracts, that money is guaranteed on signing. Unless you pull a John Gruden and you get fired for cause. Uh, that money, they are going to pay. And when you've seen this team melt at the end of the season two years in a row now, how do you justify giving that contract now? Maybe in a year from now, he earns it. What did you see down the stretch when at one point they had 90% odds to win the AFC or NFC West and then they get destroyed in the first round of the playoffs by a division rival with your quarterback regressing, right? with your defense regressing, with your depth in question, that's on the GM. It's not like you looked at the team and you're like, oh, well, next year looks pretty good. You know, they're on the up and up. Just got to fix a few things. It's like, no, really nothing on this team looks yeah. looks good for next season. Let's I, just I re-sign think, them. I think if, uh, as maybe bummed as Cardinals fans are, if you're a Seahawks, Niners, and uh, Rams fan, you're probably saying, yeah, keep them around forever. <laughs> yeah, why not? Kingsbury 24-24-1 in one in three seasons as head coach. Also, not staggeringly positive, but good for them. 49ers quarterback Jimmy G expected to undergo surgery on his right arm soon, potentially sidelining him until July. Could affect his trade value. Some believe Jimmy was purposely diminishing his trade value so he could become an unrestricted free agent. Do you buy into that? No. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't I, think so. I, yeah. I think there's something to be said for getting various pains. I don't know if I want to go the um, conspiracy theory route. I think for me... He's going to go to a, a good team, you would think. You know, it's like, my all the teams that are out there, it's like you need a stopgap, but you're, but you're a team that, that feels like they can contend. You look at like the Steelers, like a perfect option. I guess worst case scenario is you end up with the Giants. So, I don't know. Maybe there's something to it. Um, I don't know if it's that intense. I don't want to go down the conspiracy theory route, but I am fascinated to see where Jimmy ends up. I really do hope it's Pittsburgh because I can't fathom watching Mason Rudolph for a full season next year. 
Um, but it is, it does add a wrinkle to the saga of whoever's acquiring him is acquiring a quarterback that's not going to be able to be integrated into what the team is doing until deep into the summer. And so that does have an impact. And if that has an impact on not just who wants him, but then also, um, you know, what the Niners can get for him in terms of draft pick compensation, I don't think it's going to be immense regardless. They got a second round pick for him when he had all the hope in the world of this is Tom Brady's understudy and this could be the next, the next Tom. Um, but now that really doesn't exist. He's very much is who he is, uh, which there is a value to that in a quarterback hungry league. Um, and in a league that will always be quarterback hungry, but I can't imagine it's any more than a third round pick. Well, I just think too, the teams who were looking at him already sort of knew he had some sort of concern with injury history. So it's yeah. like, oh, what? He has a shoulder issue? You yeah, know? and he, like, it was a very public shoulder injury yeah. throughout the entire playoff run. Yeah. So yeah, I agree. And to close NFL off, because everyone likes to come up with conspiracies, people were saying, Tom Brady's lying. He's coming back. We'll see him again. His old coach, now Bruce Arian, said, nope, he slammed that door shut, which I agree. Why would he come back? Why? There's literally no reason. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Tom Brady's been a little bit sketchy about it, too, though. I don't think that's oh, all. Like, oh, you're maybe playing into the conspiracy? I don't think it's a conspiracy. I just think, like, Tom Brady could have been much more emphatic that I'm done, I'm not coming back. And I think every interview he's done, it's been, well, never say never. Well, I don't know. So, of course, that's going yeah. to get the conversation started. Just like Kyler Murray deleting his Instagram pictures, you can try to pretend like, oh, this is all you guys making this a thing. Well, no, of course, that's going to get people's attentions. Of course, the greatest quarterback of all time saying, well, never know, we'll see. Of course, that's going to get the conversation started. And I think he enjoys that sort of speculation. He is a PR team working hard behind the Absolutely. scenes. Absolutely. For so, sure. Yeah, I don't. If you made me guess, I would say he's done and he's not coming back. But I'm not shocked the conversation's happening when he himself is like, oh, I don't know, maybe <laughs> that's true. He likes to mess with us for sure. Oh, Tommy! All right, Joe, let's talk some UFC. But instead of you and I talking about UFC, let's bring in an expert, Nick the Lamb Deus, host and founder of Blue Wire's Veteran Minimum Podcast. Follow him on Twitter at Nick Deus Ten. Nick, what's going on? I'm glad to be back once again. I'm actually going to be out there this weekend Let's for the go. fight. So we love I'm, it. I'm I'm super pumped. Yeah, we're excited to see you. We'll definitely get you in studio on Mondays to, to recap UFC 272. This Saturday, T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. Big fight. Everyone's been talking about it. Big storyline here with the main event. Welterweights Colby Covington, who's the minus 340 favorite. Jorge Masvidal. At plus 265, you and I talked about it a little bit before the show. Covington opened at minus 300, so that has moved a bit. Both lost their last fight to the champ, Kamaro Usman. Masvidal was last summer, Covington in November. But the big storyline here is the fact that these two guys were friends. They were buddy-buddy. They trained together. They did all these things, and now they hate each other. It's head-to-head. -head. Of course, that creates a good storyline for this. How does that really change their approach going into this fight? So you see this happen often in UFC where guys are coming up in the same camp and then one gets more shine than the other or they're in the same weight class. Mm -hmm. And then that's where things start to get a little funky. And that's what you saw here. Claudia, not only best friends and roommates, they also would corner one another. So they're in the trenches with them more so than anyone else. And this is a fascinating fight because something's got to give. Right. This is what I like to say. Covington's coming off a loss. He's never lost back-to-back -back fights in his mm -hmm. professional career. 
Masvidal is on a two-fight losing streak. He's never lost three fights in a row. And it's a tale of, you know, something out of WWE, the (laughs) storylines of old friends, now bitter enemies. And I'm really intrigued by this matchup. What sparked the beef? It all started from, well, Joe, it all depends on like whose side you want to believe, right? But consensus, and I know some people in like the UFC circle down at ATT, and they said it had to do with Colby uh, not paying some of his financial dues to the team and to the the, the camp over at ATT. And then he ends up leaving. Masvidal becomes this megastar sort of overnight, right? Like it's very rare to see what happened with Jorge Masvidal happen. Imagine like... Uh, an NBA guy being in the league for 14 years and then all of a sudden just becomes league MVP mm-hmm. where his whole career, he's like the sixth man of the year kind of thing. And then <laughs> now he's a superstar. He's all NBA. You're like, what the hell is going on? That's kind of what happened with Jorge Masvidal. And on the flip side with Covington, again, channeling everything is wrestling. What I like to say, he became this like wrestling heel because he was going to get kicked out of the UFC because he wasn't a draw. He was very mm-hmm. vanilla, very boring. And then he became this like out-of-worldly-like character. And the feud has really, it's been a Twitter beef for a long time. And then whenever they're asked about one another, it gets very hostile. And now we're finally seeing it happen this weekend. Did Masvidal, and just remind me because I'm not a UFC sharp, is that he got famous from the knee to the face. I forget what fight it was. Is that how he kind of became the overnight sensation? Yeah. Yeah. Yes and no. Yes to like the mainstream Claudia for sure. But he's one of those dudes where if you're an MMA fan, he's just been, you know, he originated on the on the street fighting scene with Kimbo Slice, right? The backyard fighting in Miami. And he's always been a guy who anytime, any place. Yeah. He's a fan favorite for that. He's one of the OGs, to say the least. He has a lot of passion. I've actually talked to him a few times. I didn't I, I talked to him before this fight and he said he's riled up his whole life is fighting. So it's going to be a really interesting fight. You talked about Covington's strengths with the grappling and wrestling. Masvidal is known a little bit more for his power, for his body kicks. If you look at the line here, Covington's a bigger favorite than Usman was with his rematch against Masvidal. Do you think that's fair? Do you think this line is set where it should be? I think that the line is right around where it should be. Covington is the Best 170 in the world that isn't Kamaru Usman. Mm. And even those two fights, there are some people that feel like it should be 1-1, even though it's 2-0 in favor of Usman. Now, this is a wrestler in Colby Covington who also is a cardio machine. Uh, He is known for the fourth and fifth round starting the way the first round started. There's no fatigue on him. And I think that's the biggest key for this fight between Mazadal and Covington. Well, I think Colby's going to be able to keep that pressure and that pace on him to tire out Mazadol. And Colby, he we haven't seen his wrestling the last couple of fights because he was going up against Kamaru Usman, who's an all-worldly type wrestler as well. So it's a stand-up guy in Mazadol who wants to keep it striking because he clearly has the power advantage where Covington can throw 25 strikes in a row and not tire out. Okay, and then with this fight... You're seeing a huge favorite. Why is that so often the case? As I'm trying to get into UFC, there's so many massive favorites and where you'd think in a main event, especially like this. And I would assume the number one contenders on the line to get a rematch with Usman. Uh, Maybe that assumption is wrong, so you can dive into what's at stake for these guys as well. But, But why is 
why are these fights, especially the big ones, so frequently um, such these like, big heavy favorite and a massive underdog? Joe, that's actually a fascinating question about the number one contender thing because I, I was telling Claudia before we started recording, I don't know what the UFC does from here because these two are clearly the number one contenders in the 170, but they both they both also lost definitively and been finished by Usman twice. So like, what do you do here, right? I think the reason why they're putting this pay-per-view on and this is the headliner is we, unless it's a Conor McGregor fight, it's very rare where a pay-per-view is headlined by a non-title fight. Yeah. Unless it's also Jorge Masvidal. Going back to Claudia's point about the superstardom. Now, when it comes to big favorites, one of the reasons why I think you see it is because, yeah, it's a headliner main event, but it's also trying to set the odds to be right. And I think it's significant, the, the, the level between the two guys. I think Covington is still in his prime where Mazadol is starting to just fade a little bit mm. from where he was in his athletic prime. So say you like Covington, you don't want to lay the juice. Do you have a prop in mind that you see better value with? There is no way, Claudia, in MMA betting, I'm ever laying minus 300 on a fighter. I just don't do it. I much rather lose on taking a prop than taking them money line because look, it is also fighting, right? Weird stuff tends to happen. But with Covington, I think the most fascinating one, and it is a little bit of a chalky pick. A lot of people are on this is you could get him to win via decision at minus 110, which I think is the most logical way that he wins this fight. Mazadol, up until his last fight against Usman, never got finished. And he's also a wizard on the ground too. He doesn't really show his BJJ skills because he just loves to knock people out. It's more of a highlight. So I think Covington minus 110 is my, if I need to make a pick to make money, this is the one that I would make. Now, on the flip side with Mazadol, this is one of the spots that I love to target. The only chance he wins this fight is via knockout or TKO. He's not going to submit Colby. He's not going to win a five-round decision because that plays into Covington's strengths. So the two bets I'm making on this fight is Colby by points at minus 110 or Mazadol to win by knockout TKO at plus 400 because that's the only way that the underdog can win. So i rather bet him plus 400 via knockout as opposed to plus 265 on the money line. So if, like you, had, that. if you had to choose best bet, what would you say it is? <sighs> I think Covington on the points is okay. the best bet. All right. But I also, I also have a real quick, I have a wacky one that I'm going to throw a little bit, a little sprinkle on it. I can't get this image out of my head of Covington stopping Masvidal in the championship rounds, fourth or fifth round by ground and pound. And one of those scenarios where you hear the referee saying, Jorge, fight back, fight mm. back. And it's like a fatigue stoppage. You could get Covington by TKO in round four, 20 to one. Damn. And then in round five, 22 to one. Okay. Now, I know it goes against what I said to you before, Claudia, about the, the most logical scenario <laughs> is by decision. But there's no chance in hell I'm not throwing a little bit on those. A beer money play, we like to call it. Especially when he's in Vegas. And after that, if that hits, all of a sudden, McDayus is partying hard after that uh, on the (laughs) street. The worst thing you could do is pulling up the apps when you're obliterated, which (laughs) I will be with beers on Saturday. That's for sure. Uh, Nick, let's talk NBA really briefly. Uh, We're getting to down to it. Uh, Future season uh, is coming to effect. We've been holding on to these tickets for a long time. I'm, I'm curious. Have you made any any more recent NBA futures bets? Uh, Claudia and I have been talking about how 
I'm on the Sixers um, and the Celtics in the Eastern Conference and the Nuggets and the Grizzlies in the Western Conference, hoping for long shots here, much more long shots in the Western Conference compared to the East. But I'm curious where you're at uh, as we've, you know, haven't talked to you in a couple of weeks. Yeah, man, I I was on here a couple of weeks ago where I sort of put it out there for Memphis to win the West. And I still think it's a great number at 10 to 1. I think they're hot right now. Golden State is sort of phasing out a little bit. I think they really miss Draymond Green. And they're a team really built off the three. And, you know, we saw it in the All-Star game. If Curry gets hot, he could take over any game. But chances are that he's going to need someone to step up. And with Clay being in and out the lineup, I think there is a legitimate path for Memphis to get the two seed. They're playing really well right now. John Morant is flying up the MVP charts. And I wish I would have taken a little bit. Of, it was about 60 to one a couple of weeks before All-Star break. But now he's like in the discussion. He's about 12 to one in, in, in some spots. But again, Joe, I'm with you on Memphis, man. I think this is us getting early to the party. I think this is the second coming of a 2014 Warriors right before they take that leap and they hire Steve Kerr. And then before you know it, they're winning all these championships. I think this is the team that checks all the boxes to be the Hawks of last year, where you look up and you're like, how, how is Memphis in the conference finals? You would know if you listen to the show and Joe and I are on the same side <laughs> that Memphis might be in the conference finals. There we go. Everyone tail these two. They know what they're talking about. Uh, Nick, you're headed to Vegas. What's going to be the first spot when you get here? First stop. We're probably going to go to the ceremonial weigh-ins. I, okay, I like yeah. going to that on Friday. And cool. then uh, I'll probably go and get a nice dinner somewhere. Usually just like pig out and in and out <laughs> and stuff like that. But I want to, you know, throw on a nice in little and out? soup maybe. The and, hell? Go to one of the steakhouses. Yeah. You're in Vegas. No, no, I no, swear to God, if you go to in and out, I'll kill you. Wow. <laughs> no. no. You cannot come to Vegas and you, go to you in and out. You don't get in and out on the East Coast. <laughs> No, no, Nick. I better, I better see you dressed. Be I better see show. you dressed up at Perry oh Steakhouse. My goodness. <laughs> All right, well, Nick Delay, Mateus. <laughs> thanks so much. We will see you. We are here in Vegas. We'll have you on the show Monday. We are looking forward to it. Go follow him on Twitter at Nick Deus Ten. Nick, safe flight to Vegas. We'll see you soon. Thanks, guys. Why are you guys acting ah, like I'm insane? Why are you? Why are you acting like I'm insane for not? Because you are insane. I say, where are you going to go in Vegas? And he goes, probably in and out Like, really? Out of all of the amazing restaurants we hear, in and outs the first stop? You, you threaten murder. <laughs> okay. in and out I'm is dramatic. When you live in an area... Well, we, yeah. we know this. Yeah. Yeah. When you live in an area that doesn't have in and out in and out is a delicacy. I'm from the East Coast. I don't. I. I had never had it. I went yeah, to California, had it once. I've never thought about yeah, it again. That's a you thing. It doesn't mean <laughs> someone else who's much smarter and wiser than you can enjoy. Oh, oh, can enjoy oh, the fine dining damn. experience Shots. of a double double and animal fries. Shots fired. When I see that animal style crap on my feet, I'm like, that looks like throw up. I don't want that in my body. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, again, I'm dramatic. Man. It's probably great, but yeah, yeah. our producers are booing me. Everyone's, everyone's booing me. Whatever, <laughs> whatever. In and out is incredible. I will, def I will defend the double double. So you know what we're gonna have to do to the death. We'll have to surprise Nick, and we'll have to eat it for breakfast on Monday. We'll bring it into the show Monday. We'll do a little. I don't know taste. if I can do a 9 a.m. double double. <laughs> but I thought it was so good. Could you have Barry Steakhouse at nine in the morning? Don't gaslight me about could you in and have, out. Could you have Barry Steakhouse at nine in the morning? Tell me this. No. No? 
No, I don't need a filet mignon at 9 a.m. <laughs> this body is a, is a temple. Whatever, and I man. I need fruit. I'm going to put a poll out there. In and out. Something about in and out. Sure. I'll do think it. of it. Watch me. Prepare <laughs> to get roasted and ratioed. <laughs> Let's talk free money. Bet $10, win 200, open a new WinBet account, deposit $10 or more, take that $10, put it on odds minus 120 or greater, and get $200 in free bets. Go to winbet.com or download the app for official rules and details. And our secret word is madness. March madness. Get it? Get it. We're creative on this show. Uh, send madness, the word madness to WinBet's Twitter account. Include your WinBet username and email for a free $25 bet. Terms and conditions apply. The madness has already begun. There have been some crazy finishes so far. It started on March 1st with a handful of, of wild finishes. Purdue, Wisconsin was bananas. We saw a couple games in the SEC on Wednesday night that were insane. Uh, Arkansas LSU being the maybe the most prominent, uh, but also Mississippi State and Auburn. Uh, and it's only going to continue for the next month plus. And I cannot wait. Madness just getting started. And as we end every show, we will with winning picks. Joe, what do you got? I've got a college basketball pick for you, Claudia. And I am looking to get back on the right track. Oregon, minus five at Washington. Washington has some impressive wins in the Pac-12. They beat Washington State. They beat Arizona State. They beat Utah and Colorado. But when they lose. They lose big. In their 14 losses, they are 0-13-1 against a five-point spread. Uh, they are one of the worst offensive teams in the entire country. With a three, where They rank 333rd in effective field goal percentage. There's not a single major edge for Washington. Uh, they play okay defense, but, Washington, but it, no, there's nothing special there. Oregon's biggest edge is offensive rebounding, where they rank 112th against Washington's 356th-ranked defense. I have no problem, even on the road, laying the points with the Ducks against Washington. I like it. And I think it's important to note, these games are really important for Oregon because they are firmly on the bubble. If you look at Joe Lenardi's last four out, uh, or first four out, and then next four out, Oregon is right there in that mix. And so um, if they want to get to where um, winning the tournament isn't mandatory, they've got to win this game and then a couple in the Pac-12 tournament. So this is a big game for them. Big game, I will tell you there. I'm going to go to hockey. Colorado Avalanche heading to Arizona to take on the Coyotes. Colorado heavy minus 400 favorites. I'm going to go Avs first period puck line here. Basically to win the first period at plus 100. Coyotes do have some big upsets recently. They did beat the Avs back in February in a shootout. So the puck line getting one and a half with them at plus money is tempting. However, Avs will have the edge in net. So I'm going to go with that first period play. Rookie Karel Vimelka. Yeah. Starting for the Coyotes. The last time you were he, generated that. <laughs> the last time not a real name. He faced the Avs back in early January. He gave up five goals on 32 shots while his team scored nothing. He's one and seven in his last eight starts, averaging almost four and a half goals a game, allowing with a 874 save percentage over that stretch. His goal saved above expected ranks 105 out of 109 goalies. Not great. However, this is not just a fade. Avs are no scrubs. They have won six of their last seven games, just three losses in their last 21. Specific to this first period play, they're averaging just under one and a half goals in the first period over their last five games, and they have the clear edge in net. Likely starting with Darcy Kemper, who has allowed just about two goals on average in the last seven with a 936 save percentage. So 
I'm going to save the sweat on the high team total with the Avs, save myself from the heavy juice, and I'm going to go with them to win the first period at plus money. I like it. I'll tail that. I'll blind tail that with all the fake names you just made up. I'm in. Let's <laughs> and do I that had hockey. that name too. I had it at the beginning and I was rehearsing you it. You practiced I, that name in the I mirror still, this morning. I butchered it. Yeah. It's hard. I'm proud of you. Respect to the play-by-play guys who just oh my gosh. off the tongue. like. Also, as much of a not hockey guy I am, I think my favorite play-by-play guy of all time might be Doc Emmerich. Like watching the Stanley Cup finals with him speaking a million miles an hour, never <laughs> tripping over his words. It's impressive. He's he was the best. I, I love him. I, I gotta him. know what's in his. Him and Vern. Yeah. Him and Uncle Vern. I think are are one and two. Yep, I agree. I agree. All right, Joe. Time to hit the golf course. <laughs> I love it. Can't wait for that content. Time to hit the golf course. Make sure you check Go out low. my Instagram, Claudia Bellafato underscore. I will be posting a video of my golf swing. That's episode forty-eight. We will see you guys on Monday. Have a lovely weekend. Yeah.